passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Charlotte from SmackDown. Alexa Bliss from Raw. And Asuka with the choice and the opportunity of a lifetime. What? It is John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting. It is the post-wrestling, post-Royal Rumble show. It's a very special occasion. And we are joined here in the Jason Agnew residence. Our host for the evening, one Jason Agnew. Hi. How are you guys? Did you have a nice time? I bought pizza. And then I won a pool. Jay, may I say, you're a fantastic host. I got, well, I listen to you guys all the time. So that meant I got some root beer and I got some coconut water. You had us all uh, filled with, with drinks, yep. with food. Yep. A wonderful host. Jay. It's what I do, guys. It's what I do as we sit here and watch what is traditionally my favorite event of the year. And, uh, ah, ah, pretty good. We done? <laughs> <laughs> the, the best analysis in the business, folks. It's good. It was, it was good. What, what was your excitement level, I will say, this morning for the Royal Rumble? Uh, it wasn't all that much. And I think maybe that's why I, I, I come out of this, uh, having a good time. I mean, it's such a different environment though, because normally we're sitting there at the studio watching it. And since, you know, we're doing this post show right now in my dining room, uh, and not going on the air live right afterwards. I'm not sitting there in front of a computer. I'm not taking uh, copious notes uh, and pulling audio clips and figuring out what we're going to do during the show. I, I got 3,500 words. Yeah, well, so I, I left that to the two of you. Um, and so, I mean, it's a different experience for me watching this year. Uh, but in general, I mean, there was a, a few surprises and we did our pool again. And it's always a fun event. But um, yeah, this this... There hasn't been a big lead up to it for me because I'm not as in depth, uh, you know, watching as diligently everything this week. And it's also, I figured it was going to be hard to follow what I watched this afternoon. And that was Takeover from last night, which was yet another fantastic show. As you said, John, the debut of Bobby Lashley was amazing. Oh, yes. We were, uh, 
Way spoiled me. Damn. <laughs> Way came over tonight and he wanted to finish Takeover and I let it slip about did you see Bobby Lashley's run in? And Way learned of an hour or so later that there was actually no Bobby Lashley at all this weekend. Nope. Maybe that's something we will see before the end of uh this week. Yeah. But- you got me there. But uh I, I do also know about the uh uh Kenny Omega um everything that went down there as well. Did I ruin that? Yes, you did. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> he it's told me good. about it. In the room tonight, you told it's me a, about it instead. I, don't mind. I gave I him don't a mind. warning, though. I was like, do you want me to ruin this? I gave you a clear you opening to stop. Well, why didn't you interrupt me? Well, I, I didn't, can't keep up on what I didn't you watch. I don't, I don't want to watch. I don't even care. I don't even care. It doesn't matter. But uh, you you had me. You had me there for a bit. Well, anyway, I don't know. It doesn't matter. If it's good, you'll still enjoy it. That's what that's what I figure. We've got six hours and thirteen yes. minutes worth of WWE to discuss. So mm-hmm. let us let us dive into this. This this began yesterday at five o'clock PM Eastern time with the panel of Renee Young, Peter Rosenberg, and Jerry Lawler. No Samoa Joe on this panel, and thus it was definitely not at the level of the NXT pre show. And we had numerous guests on the panel. We had one backstage segment that was kind of fun that they did with Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan, who were interrupted by Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. Almost like these ex-lovers that were crossing here with Gable and Jordan, who ended up hugging one another, and Benjamin mentioning all of his history with Kurt Angle to Jordan. And Gable joked about Jordan dumping him for a, a burgeoning singles career when he's right back in the same spot, and he's got a tag title, which Jordan noted... At least I have a title. And then he walked off. TJP, Jack Gallagher, and Drew Gulak took on Kalisto, Grand Metalik, and Lince Dorado, where the Cruiserweight division performed in front of approximately 205 people at the Wells Fargo Arena. Because this was the continuing trend of the opening match on these super long pay-per-views, where the crowd is still filing in as we send our first match to the ring, and... This arena had to be, I would say, 75% empty when these guys hit the ring. Yeah, well, that's also telling WWE that either A, open your doors earlier, or B, shorten your shows. I would opt for B. I mean, if Vince McMahon wants the XFL games to be two hours, then maybe we should shorten these ones, too. I loved when this got pointed out and all these people were saying, oh, well, it was USA's call to make it three hours. It's like, are you people just completely blind to what they're doing Every single month, especially this Sunday with a six-hour mm. hour event that mm. is clearly their call to do as much as they possibly can. This feels like ages ago that this match took place. Um, I thought the six actually had like a fine match by 205 Live standards, but it was just no one was really into this. They got the advantage on Dorado in their corner. Grand Metalik scaled the top rope. He hit an elbow drop from the top down to Gulak and then followed with a Tope Con Hero. Kalisto was in with TJP, won with the Salida del Sol, and TJP threw a fit. But thankfully, no one saw this, so he has nothing to be embarrassed about in this particular loss. <laughs> any any feelings, Way? It was honestly hard to pay attention. Like I don't, I'm not used to watching with the crowd, so it was kind of tough to pay attention to the match. Well, we continued on. Mm-hmm. They... Interviewed Charlotte on the panel. Then we went to the reconverted social media lounge, which is not even a lounge anymore. It's simply a camera on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in their locker room. And this was just Kevin Owens having five minutes of unrehearsed improv playing off of the tweets that had been sent to them. He ripped on Peter Rosenberg. He said that they should enlist Matt Hardy to delete this individual. 
He spoke in French. He insulted the grammar of the tweets being sent. He mocked Jerry Lawler about his elimination of Max Moon at the 1993 Royal Rumble. Just Kevin Owens being Kevin Owens for five minutes. And thus, I thought this was very entertaining. The Revival versus Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. This featured Dawson and Wilder just working on the knee of Anderson. Booker compared them to the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Then Dawson ran in, stopped the magic killer. Gallows then missed Dawson, ran into the post on the floor, and Wilder hit him with a chop block to the bad knee, and Carl Anderson pinned him. Or it was it was Carl Anderson that uh, took the pinfall in this. So the Revival wins 9 minutes and 3 seconds, and that was their, their rehab from Monday night as they hmm. figure out their position in the tag division on Raw. Medusa was on the panel, and this consisted of her and JBL just going back and forth. For everything that was good about the Kevin Owens segment, this one was awful and just painful to watch as Medusa and JBL just played off one another, and Renee Young just seemed to be a traffic cop here, desperately trying to throw out of this segment numerous occasions, and the two just kept going and going. And that was our only... uh Appearance from one Medusa on this particular show. I know. I had her in the pool. She did not make it into the uh, the women's rumble. Then we had Bobby Roode come out. This was probably the only thing of interest on the kickoff show. He was out here for the U.S. title uh, challenge. And he cut a promo about being here in the birthplace of America. And everyone was speculating who would answer the call. And it was Mojo Rawley, who was met with chants of Mojo sucks and... Raleigh got into control. They went through a commercial break, came back. Raleigh sent Rude into the post shoulder first, but then Rude made his big comeback, hit the glorious DDT, won the match in 7 minutes, 37 seconds, and nothing really special. And I think that the the secret nature of the opponent only raised expectations, and you didn't deliver anything out of the norm, and it just was a flat match. Well, you brought up a good point during the show where why wasn't this just the finals of the U.S. title tournament, which it was originally supposed to be, correct? The way everything went, I mean, yeah, the finals were going to be on this, then they took it off, and here we ended up back in this position where it ended up being the tournament winner against one of the other guys in the yeah. tournament. So, I mean, I could argue that if you had a big name, why would you waste it on the kickoff? For so, sure. I, I don't have a big issue with them throwing this as the match. It was just, it was nothing special for... Bobby Roode. If they had the announced show. Bobby Roode versus Mojo, it probably would have been worse. It would have been the same. I think it would have been the same because you wouldn't have been disappointed, at least. No, I don't even know if you would get people to pay attention. I would only do a mystery opponent if you have a great mystery opponent. Like, why? Because you're only going to let people speculate. Were there rumors that this was going to be somebody bigger? Yeah, there were. I mean, I heard James Storm's name bounced around. Um, who else was kind of thrown around for this spot? I, I didn't hear all those I heard many that. serious names. I mean, I heard Dolph, too, possibly thrown in here. And it turns out we saw him later in the night. He could have been in the spot. This would have been fine. Oh, I, it, it, I mean, fine for the spot, but ridiculous for what they actually did with him and having him leave TV and now just show up just because mm-hmm. without the title. He just wanted he a vacation. It. He's just been busy. It, it's ridiculous. It's just something that clearly wasn't thought out. Maybe they did have a plan, but that is... I'm assuming that what their plan was was not what it ended up being with him returning as in the Rumble. I would imagine that's probably what happened. Ric Flair joined the panel, and JBL just was in awe of this man, calling him the Babe Ruth of professional wrestling. Flair reminisced about the 92 Rumble and all of the different people involved in that match. He had some strategy tips for how to win the Rumble, 
and he's a big fan of AJ Styles. Then the main show began. That was two hours worth, folks. And as we headed into hour number three, it kicked off with AJ Styles against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn in a handicap match for the WWE title. Both Zayn and Owens received separate entrances, and the crowd was hot for all three men as they came out. Zayn and Owens just kept tagging in and out. They had the advantage, wearing down Styles until he hit a top rope Frankensteiner and then inverted DDT to Zayn. Uh, some other stuff we saw here. Uh, featured Styles locking on the calf crusher, and uh, this was to Owens. The crowd was very hot for this until Zayn broke that up. Owens missed Styles, ran shoulder first into the corner, and we got a series of near falls here, including Zayn hitting a blue thunder bomb, and then Styles landed the phenomenal forearm onto Zayn. Owens broke up the cover, then Zayn got dumped to the floor. Owens went for the pop up power bomb, but Styles countered it into a roll up for the cover and pinned Owens. They went to the replay. And they did this tag spot where you can see in slow motion that Zayn and Owens never officially made contact with their hands. So, in fact, uh, Owens was not the legal man when he was pinned. And this was clearly designed to be the controversy coming out of this. And this went 15 minutes, 52 seconds. What did you feel about the uh, the opener, Jay? Um, it, it's a tough card to book because you're putting your championship match on first and it's a weird championship match to begin with because it's also a handicap match. So it's completely strange. Uh, as far as the outcome went, what throws me now, I mean, I got to jump forward to the fact that, you know, clearly Styles has a new program after this night goes, but this is not finished yet. So I guess they try to resolve this on television. And also, I think because of, again, what happened in the Rumble with Zayn and Owens, you might have some business between those two again, which is not something I really care to see. And as well, Wade, you do have that March pay-per-view in between WrestleMania that maybe they're just going to continue this. I mean, do you want to see this feud continue? And what did you feel... I mean, this is obviously going to continue with something. It's just a question of how long you play this out. Yeah, certainly. I thought they were even going to follow it up tonight with uh, more involvement with Brian, uh, and they didn't. And uh, I'm assuming they just need something to fill out the rest of the TV time all the way heading into WrestleMania. I think they were afraid of Brian anywhere near this paper. Did he show up once? He, he showed was up once, One right? backstage segment. Yeah, that, yeah, and I wonder if that went out to the live crowd. I'm sure it did. Yeah, it was very brief. I mean, for all, like, this feud was all centered around Brian and Shane, and they had very minimal involvement on this show, uh, when you look back at it and how much emphasis was placed on them. Um, I thought Styles and Owens had this weird lack of chemistry, it seems. Like, their matches are fine, but nothing blow away that I thought this was above, like, some of their matches from last summer, at least. Uh, so Owens and Zayn then complained to Shane McMahon backstage about the, the tag that did not in fact occur, and therefore uh, it was not the legal man that Styles pinned. The Usos versus Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin, a two out of three falls match for the SmackDown tag titles. The Usos cut a promo before the match that together they ride from the womb to the tomb, and they stay ready so they don't have to get ready. Gable attacked Jimmy with a dragon, uh, dragon screw leg whip and focused on his knee. Jay was in and hit a pair of dives to the ring, narrowly clearing the top rope on both occasions, but did make it to the floor. Uh, Benjamin powerbombed Jay into Jimmy in the corner, hit the pay dirt, and Jay kicked out. And this was strange because, because of the two out of three fall nature, it seemed like the audience just wasn't really into the first fall. And they, they went almost 13 minutes 
for this first fall. And you saw a lot of great stuff, but the audience just didn't seem to, they weren't going to get into this match until the third fall, because that's what you're trained to expect in these kinds of matches. Gable hit this outstanding moonsault to the Usos on the floor from the turnbuckle. The Usos came back with super kicks. And then as Gable went for the chaos theory, the blind tag was made. Gable ducked a super kick, but ate the second one. And then there was a double super kick. They pinned Gable for the first fall. That happened at 1252. We go right into the second fall. And there was a doomsday clothesline to take out Jay on the floor. Jimmy's in the ring. Gable hits him with this rolling capo kick. But then Jimmy and Jay return. They go for this double team maneuver. Jimmy blocked him, caught Gable with an inside cradle. And just like that, in a minute 25, the Usos win the match. Two falls to none. And... I thought it was just a lot of overthinking to just try and swerve the crowd from what you expect in a two out of three falls match that they didn't get into the first fall. And then the second one came out of nowhere that you kind of limited the audience's uh, excitement for this match. Well, I don't know how. I mean, I thought it was pretty clear uh, throughout the evening that this audience was really just here to see the two Royal Rumble matches. And uh, I really I like the fact that they did two straight falls. It's something different and not as cliche. Um, and I really, I'm really not sure if the result would have been any different had they gone to a third. I think that I, I also like the fact that they went two in a row. Uh, I think it's unpredictable, but the unfortunate nature is perhaps this shouldn't have been the show where there was a two out of three falls match placed on it because you know the crowd is not going to bite and they are just there for the rumble. So I think this was a bad booking choice to begin with. I think you used to do a 14 minute match with them with the fall. And I think the audience would have been much more into all these near falls. And I just think it would have clicked a lot better than it did. So then we go uh, into the men's Royal Rumble match. So this went on at about 8 o'clock Eastern. Jerry Lawler was brought out, so he was going to call the match with Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and Byron Saxton. And we'll just kind of go in order here of the entrances. This started off with Rusev and Finn Balor, with Finn Balor getting the the big marathon run in this Rumble, uh, lasting uh, right near till the end of this. And Rusev came out. First it was Aiden that came out. And then introduced Rusev, and this entire arena was chanting Rusev Day. And this would carry over to Aiden English's entrance. It would carry over to Lana in the second Royal Rumble. Um, But never was it... um, I was worried about Rusev getting eliminated later, and the crowd would just turn on the match. But this was clearly an audience that was not there to turn on the match or ruin it, like we have seen in past Rumbles when the wrong elimination has led to that reaction. So, as we go in order here, Rhino came out, as everyone remembered where he worked 17 years ago. <laughs> well, they needed something. I mean, I, I was, when we were doing the pool tonight, I was picking other, I thought we'd get a Tommy Dreamer or an RVD. One of the two of those guys, the real staple of ECW, because we're in Philly and there's that ode to them. Uh, instead, we did not. This was the guy. It was Rhino. Baron Corbin came in at number four and... Immediately, he tossed out Rhino. The crowd was sad about this. And then he laid out everybody and hit an end of days to Rusev, a backbreaker to Balor. And everyone's down on the floor. Heath Slater is number five. And he gets attacked by Corbin, who quickly gets uh, eliminated here. And as he's walking to the back, he lays out Slater on the ramp. And this would be this ongoing gag for like the next eight entrants of Slater just trying to recover on the ramp. And the new entrant would just attack Heath Slater. And 
Mm-hmm. This was a fun comedy. Bit. Excellent, excellent. So so well done. Um, not overwhelming. Not not even a big gap in the rumble. I think that a lot of rumbles uh, fall to the fact that when they do the comedy spot, everything else stops. And if the comedy spot flops, then it's a bit of a disaster. With this, it was just an ongoing gag. But all the action continued in between it. You just knew that they were coming back to it because Slater was laid out on the ramp. I thought this was done so, so smart. And they didn't overdo it. No. No, it went like 15 minutes and it didn't feel uh, stale at at all during this. And it was also Finn Balor that eliminated Baron Corbin. Elias was out after that. He got a huge reaction. Stomped Slater on his way to the ring. And he notes that time is just an illusion. And everyone's still laid out from Baron Corbin. So he's in the ring and just starts singing a song about spitting into the face of the Rocky statue. And then the clock counts down. And the seventh entrant, this was a legitimate surprise, Andrade Cien Almas as our NXT champion uh, entered the Rumble. Did you like the inclusion of Almas, Kit? Not really. Um... I never, I think it's a tough debut in the Rumble. I think it's a great nostalgia pop when they return, or a re-debut can work. But a debut in the Rumble, I mean, it has worked in the past. I remember when Rusev came out many years ago, and I didn't really like that. And I thought it was weird to put both the champion, and later on we'll see, you know, uh, a you know a top contender uh, in the Rumble here, because they're not winning. It was a good showing on Almas's part, and I guess... If you're looking it at, at looking at it like a different organization, it makes sense that the champion goes in, I suppose. But I I don't know. It was a good showing for him, um, and he was selling, which was nice. We brought we were talking about that, the fact that he walked in and he was selling his injuries from last night. But I don't know if I really if it really needed he needed to be there. Yeah. Do you think this is any sign way of this was just a one off for Almas or something where you could see him being a call up post WrestleMania? I could definitely see him being called up after, but uh, probably not right now uh, because he has a belt. But And I'm kind of with Jay. I don't really like having any prominent NXT prospects called up unless they're doing something that that actually feels substantial. And, I mean, Almas looked fine, but I don't think he really did anything that substantial. If he had a giant elimination or if he lasted until the Final Four, I think that's something he can go back to NXT to brag about. But I don't know what he can brag about. Next entrances were Bray Wyatt, Big E, and then number 10 was Ty Dillinger. But we cut to the back, and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have attacked Dillinger, Canadian on Canadian violence, and Zayn took his spot in the Royal Rumble, instructing Owens that, I've got this. And mm-hmm. number 11. Hold on. Number, hold on. Before we keep going, Ty Dillinger gets number 10 again. I had, I had a problem with this. <laughs> I, didn't, yeah, I but, just didn't but, like it. But it was a good swerve. They yeah. they made you think that he was going to come out. But it's it. just silly that he gets it again. Like, if it had gone by 10 and he came out at 11, I would have liked Yeah, I know it's nitpicking, but I was just like, oh, yeah, okay, he gets it again. I like the fact that he was removed from the Rumble, and it was a little Canadian thing there. But I was like, oh, he's 10 again. Ah. He seems like the guy that... Why not, instead of getting number 10 in the Rumble, can I get just any spot back in NXT? That would be wonderful <laughs> because he's had just well, – like what a, what a year he's had. since. I can't even tell you what he's done in the last year since he came in at the Rumble last year. The 11th entrant on his birthday is Sheamus who comes down and he lifts up Heath Slater, sends him into the ring. Slater gets to his feet and clotheslines Sheamus over the floor. So Sheamus gets the comedy quick elimination spot and – is eliminated. And Slater kind of redeems himself. And Seamus, I guess, 
redeems himself or just brings the tag titles to a lower level later. I don't know why Sheamus was used in this role. I don't role. know why, why any of those guys. Yeah, why were any of those guys used? That's a great point because you had Sheamus, we get Seth in this match as well, we get Cesaro in this match. None of those really made sense unless, and we were talking about this during the show, unless that would have been a way to really tease dissension between Jason Jordan and Seth Rollins, but we didn't see that because we didn't see Jason Jordan in this match. So in my opinion, none of those guys should have been seen here, especially because their match was coming right after this in a complete dead zone, and you're not even getting the pop for them coming out because we've already seen them once. Yeah, I thought that it was just very backwards. You could have done the tag match first, and it really wouldn't have affected the Rumble because you had no crossover. Second, and I guess Jordan is hurt enough that he probably couldn't have even pulled this off, but had he been able to come into the Rumble and work through his injury, and then in the tag match Mm -hmm. where it's a team effort, then he doesn't want to tag in, and then the injury is too much, it gets that story across more. But you're right, they... And Sheamus just was just in this comedy role. Xavier Woods was in 12th. 13th was Apollo Crews. And then Shinsuke Nakamura came out 14th. And this guy owes a debt of gratitude for the rest of his living days to this arena and this crowd who treated him like a superstar on this night. Uh, they're all buzzing his theme song. And Nakamura hits a running knee to the ribs of Zayn and eliminates Zayn uh, as his first elimination. Cesaro followed at 15, Kofi Kingston was out at number 16, and Cesaro landed this uppercut to Cruz, sending him off the apron to the floor, so he was out. Jinder Mahal was number 17, the most forgotten man on the main roster, Mm -hmm. and was out just with Samir Singh, as Sunil Singh has torn his ACL and will be gone for a long time. Uh, Mahal... Jinder had, like, three eliminations tonight, though. He actually had a good showing in, in as far as Jinder goes. Yes. Um, him and Big E were on the outside of the apron, and Mahal was able to eliminate uh, Big E. Then Seth Rollins came in with his new uh, flame tights. Oh, yeah, these are terrible. They he needs like, to burn these to the ground. <laughs> this is It looked like a, a bad imitation of Bam Bam Bigelow is what it looked like. It was pretty gross. Um, Seth Rollins was 18th. Uh, as I, as I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then Mahal dumped Kingston over. And wait, this is where we got Kingston's uh, spot this year, where it was, I think, much more just comedy rather than a big athletic feat for him. Kind of more reflective of the current incarnation of Kofi Kingston, doing a lot more comedy. And we had the kind of big athletic spot saved a bit. For yes. Women. Yeah, yeah, he handed it off this year. So he landed on, on Xavier Woods' uh, chest, and then they put pancakes under his foot, and then... Uh, hoisted him up in the air, and then he did this big vertical going over top, back into the ring and returning. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, that was. Nice um, anyway, Woods and Biggie shoot him into the ring, and then Mahal ends up getting eliminated by Kingston. Almas then grabs Kingston, hits the hammerlock DDT, and it's Almas that gets to eliminate Kofi Kingston to the floor. So that was Almas' big spot in the Rumble, was eliminating Kofi. 19th was Matt Hardy, who came out and... I mean, didn't get this gigantic reaction that I thought he would in Philadelphia in front of this crowd. And he has this stare down with Bray Wyatt. Then they start working together and they eliminate Rusev. Really weird choice. Yeah. I didn't really sense why it was these two that were given that spot. I feel as though maybe WWE looked at this and thought, we're in Philadelphia, the Hardy gimmick, the broken is an underground thing. Maybe it's the first time they're seeing Woken Broken there to be able to chant the delete thing, and maybe it would overwhelm the Rusev chant. But 
Rusev was the most over guy in this match as far as the chance went. Mm-hmm. They were lucky, though, that this wasn't a crowd of a few years ago that, that just continued chanting Rusev Day for the rest of the match, which they easily could have. Three years ago, I think that's probably the result you would have had. 20th was John Cena, and everybody in the ring gangs up on Cena, who pretty much played subtle heel for this whole match. Mm-hmm. Um, Cena, of this crowd, yeah. Yeah. So after that huge angle on Monday with Elias, he lifted up Elias on his shoulders and just threw him to the floor in seconds. And the audience booed Elias's elimination. I thought this was enough. I really hope this is not a program for the next uh, Raw pay-per-view, that we have four more weeks of this. This felt... Mm-hmm. Like a waste of a big angle for John Cena on Monday. I don't think it's a match anybody wants to see. Uh, maybe it's a segment you'll, that you'll you'll see some follow up on. Maybe it's just something for Elias to 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 try to I don't know write songs around. I, I feel as though these two could both end up in the elimination chamber. That's the next pay possible, isn't it? Yes. I mean, Cena should be in there yes. if they're going to position. Right. Considering all the injuries that are going on at the top of the card, yeah. I don't think you'll have Joe back for that time. Jason Jordan's injured. Not not even to say that he would be there, but looking at who's at the top. On well, you got to side after Reigns eliminates Rollins. Those two have to be in the chamber together because now they have something. Elias is a little tough though because I don't think anybody takes him seriously. No. As well, you need six guys, and I mean, Cena, Reigns, guys. Rollins, and once you get out of that, unless you're getting Cesaro Braun. and Sheamus into that, I, yeah, I mean, you could put Braun and Kane in there as well. Unfortunately, Maybe Joe will be back. I don't think Joe's gonna. Well, I don't know. He, they say day to day, but that's a bad foot injury that he's mm-hmm. got. It's gonna be very touching, Joe, with him. Oh, yeah, so, I haven't missed that. The twenty-first entrant was the Hurricane. Yeah, this was fun. This is a good, fun little bit of rumble nostalgia here. Mm-hmm. Came in, teased a choke slam to Cena. He blocked it and just lifted Hurricane and dumped him out. Like they were, Cena was just knew the reaction and just kind of was just uh, destroying all these audiences' dreams. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of his role in this. But this yeah. was a fun little really also cameo. For, the, for the last portion of the match. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Aiden English was the twenty-second entrant, and then number twenty-three, which Jay hinted at, Adam Cole coming out with his ribs taped up. And to me, that was the biggest bonus that they did because it could have been easily ignored all these injuries and I would have had a bigger issue with that. But all the NXT, we'll talk about it later with the women's match as well, but all the injuries from the night prior were acknowledged Hmm. and that is not always a given uh, with main roster and selling. Uh, So he came in and Balor kicked English off the turnbuckle. So he was gone. 24th was Randy Orton. Uh, Almas went for the springboard and got caught with an RKO, so Orton dumped out Almas. Titus O'Neil was 25th. The 26th entrant was The Miz. 27 was Rey Mysterio, who came in uh, out in spandex and looked in pretty good shape uh, oh, yeah. and eliminated Adam Cole. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like this was just a one-off for tonight, but I can't imagine that they're not going to try and get some kind of miniature run out of Rey Mysterio. Why do you say it's just a one-off? Uh, that's what was, uh, Mike Johnson had noted something oh, okay. about that, that it was, uh, as of right now, it was just for the rumble. So it doesn't sound like he signed anything, but this is one that I could definitely see turning into something. Yeah. I mean, you know, is he a character in any of the video games yet? Joy Five Live needs a new GM. Yeah. I, yeah, I would, I would not I really want to see Ray not. there. He's no, not a good talker to me. My, my dream with that is Rockstar Spud showing up on that show and being that GM. I think he's excellent. Ray's a great surprise. The crowd loved it. 
Uh, it was a real nice uh, bit of Rumble nostalgia here, especially because he was uh, a winner as well at one point. So it was a good call and un- completely unexpected. Yeah, it's – I mean, the feud was kind of done a lot in Lucha Underground, but that's the kind of opponent that would be like a great attraction for TakeOver against Ricochet. But mm. it is a match that Lucha Underground focused upon pretty heavily, but that mm. could be something that's – you know, you could utilize Ray with somebody younger. It doesn't have to be Ricochet. 28 was Roman Reigns, who comes out, is booed by the entire arena. He tosses Titus out, in case you had him in your pool. Then he goes at, to eliminate The Miz when Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel appear, and they block him. Reigns nails them off the apron. And then Seth Rollins hits The Miz with the stomp. Yeah, not the curb stomp. Just the stomp. The stomp. That's like, and then he pulled out a bunch of like tin cans and trash kid lids and just smashed them in the ring yeah, as well. Did a whole yeah. ensemble. Yep. Reigns and Rollins hit a power bomb to Miz, uh, onto Dallas and Axel on the floor and Reigns grabs Rollins and tosses him out. And we had Rollins have to do that goofy smirk as, ah, uh, you got me. Gold Dust was the 29th entrant and then number 30 was Dolph Ziggler. The returning Dolph Ziggler. Mm, no Daniel Bryan chance from this crowd. No, they were not, uh, you know, mm-hmm. really tied up with Daniel Bryan. And I think most realized this was probably not a realistic entrant in the Royal Rumble. And to that point, they didn't even seem to mind Ziggler all that much. I mean, I groaned when he came out because, as we've already talked about on the show, I just think what they're doing with him is completely ridiculous. And he's a character that needs to go away for a lot longer than he did. But, yeah, this is a very well-behaved crowd in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It was shocking for Philadelphia. Yeah, because of all – like, a match like this, it just – your mind goes wild about possibilities that it's almost impossible that if you're a fan, there's going to be people you want to see that there's going to be letdowns. But the audience reacted fine here to Ziggler coming out. I really thought that that would have been the spot where if they were going to be worried about a Daniel Bryan chant, that that's your Rob Van Dam or that's your Tommy Dreamer. Because it would push away. It would be like, oh, but oh, and you get right into a nostalgia pop. Or even your Rey Mysterio, which would have been a really good call. <laughs> An back. ode, yeah. But this time, I think Ray would have had a great... Yes, reaction. for sure. As a surprise. Yeah, legitimate surprise. Yeah. So Ziggler super kick Goldust, eliminating him. Uh, then we had uh, Balor leaping and knocking Ziggler off the apron, and they did a, a tease of him being eliminated. Uh, but then he was actually dumped out. So he was in this for only a couple of minutes, and I can't say really left much of an impression. What was their plan all along with him, and, and why he dropped the U.S. title? What do you do now? Does he go back and does he go? Hey, Bobby, that was mine. Is that where we're headed here? It, it's not like to me at the very least he should have come in here and been competitive. Like he should have been a final four guy and he comes in and has a big showing. If you're gonna give him this spot, it's like either push this guy or don't waste this on him. Or have him show up on Raw or something like that. As opposed is he just gonna go back I mean, I guess he still could go back to Raw now as opposed to going to SmackDown, but just change something. It just feels like another false start yeah. for Dolph. Which I just don't think people are invested in anymore. So uh, we had a standoff here, kind of between the two, like the old guard and the the younger version, with mm. Reigns, Balor, and Nakamura standing up to Cena, Orton, and Rey Mysterio, which was a kind of neat spot. Yeah. Uh, Orton ducked a kick, landing an RKO to Nakamura. Cena then blocked an RKO, and Reigns hit a Superman punch and tossed out Randy Orton. Mysterio hit a double 619 to Reigns and Cena. Then Balor grabbed Mysterio and eliminated him. So the final four are Cena, Reigns, Nakamura, and Balor. 
Reigns and Cena have a face-off. The ch- the fans are chanting, you both suck at those two. And then Balor and Nakamura jump them, and Balor and Nakamura have their own face-off as the crowd's going nuts. Balor is finally eliminated when he goes for a double foot stomp, stopping a Kinshasa, and comes down right near the throat of Nakamura. And then Cena capitalizes, grabbing Balor and eliminating him. Balor lasted... 57 minutes and 37 seconds. So I think he got a ton out of this Rumble. Interesting, though, because the original plan for the Rumble was Balor versus Brock. And that was negated when McMahon didn't feel as though Balor should have been placed in that role. And maybe he was right. And maybe Balor needed something like this in order to get him to that next level. Um, It's hard to say. I mean, I think him and Lesnar would have had a great 12 to 13 minute match. But after that, it's like he's the latest challenger that's just discarded. So I think he comes out of this. I think this was a really strong uh, positioning for him. And he feels the most popular since that injury in 2016 coming out of this. You also have Cena, again, taking out the fan favorite here. So putting all the heat on him. Yes. Uh, Cena hit the AA to Reigns. Nakamura places Cena on the edge of the apron and hits a running Kinshasa and nails Cena off the apron and eliminates him. I love that they position Cena as Reigns as the clear heels to make Nakamura the only kind of sympathetic one out of the three. Yeah, I think at this point you could see where things were going. And it was, you know, for all the times we talk about the WWE misreading their audience, this was them, I think, reading it very well. That they knew how the audience would react to Cena and Reigns, and they put Nakamura as the underdog against these two. So it's down to Nakamura and Reigns, and they went for a while here, and... Nakamura applies a triangle in the ropes. Reigns lifts him up, power bombs him in the ring, and then Reigns goes for a spear, gets caught with a knee. There's a Kinshasa off the turnbuckle. Then he goes for another and is met with a spear. Nakamura then comes back and hits a running knee coming off the ropes. Reigns is staggered, and Nakamura just tosses him over, and Reigns is out. Huge pop for the victory. And this went 65 minutes and 27 seconds as Shinsuke Nakamura wins and feels um, this was his high point of his year on the main roster by leaps and bounds. It was just nice to see that the WWE, um, even though Nakamura was the odds-on favorite to win here, uh, they did not pull a swerve for the sake of a swerve. It was it just made complete sense, and now you're headed towards uh, AJ and Nakamura at WrestleMania, which is great because you can do all your pomp and circumstance and for the casual fan, but this one has history for it for the hardcores as well. Yeah, and uh, Renee Young interviewed Nakamura and asked who he wanted to face because they mentioned earlier in the night that the winners of the Rumble can choose either brand's champion to face at WrestleMania, and way he said he's going to face AJ Styles. Yeah, it really kind of makes it feel like AJ versus Nakamura is going to be the people's choice main event. I think, like, in recent years... You It'll know, be the opener. The Smackdown... <laughs> Pre-show. The Smackdown title match has kind of been... It will be the opener. But nonetheless... I think you you can have your match for the hardcores as the draw for WrestleMania, and they haven't really even taken advantage of that yet in previous years, so it's nice to see them. I mean, the indies are hot, New Japan is hot, and this was a match that was successful for that audience, so why not do it yourself at WrestleMania? Yeah, and I think this is a great opportunity to almost reintroduce Nakamura, which they've done an awful job of since his call-up. I don't think they've gone anywhere with this guy. And I think now that you have a destination for a big match people want to see, they're clearly behind him going into WrestleMania, that now you can put the big push on Nakamura and hopefully just convey this guy and his story a bit more than what they've done, which has been 
very little over the last 10 months. John, he's an artist and he's a rock star. What more can I ask for? Yep. Yes. What did you guys think of the Rumble? I thought this was a, especially by the final four. I, I thought that's where it really peaked. Um, I thought it was a very good rumble overall. I think one of the better ones and the crowd was super hot for this by the closing stretch. Yeah. I mean, especially for the past couple of years, which I think I've walked out of disappointed. Um, this was pretty strong. Uh, and you had a couple nice surprises with Mysterio and Hurricane. Um, you had the nice comedy bit, which wasn't overdone, uh, with Heath. And you had a winner that the audience was into. So it really hit on, you know, multiple angles, multiple platforms. Yeah. And I think it really served um, the win. It really helps Nakamura with this win. And yeah, it was a rumble that they didn't screw up, which it used to be the match. I didn't think they could screw up. And they clearly have for a number of years. The backstage segment featured Kurt Angle and Stephanie McMahon with Shane and Daniel Bryan. And this was our lone appearance of Daniel Bryan. Uh, backstage where they're celebrating Nakamura's victory. And Stephanie said that tonight the women would make history, which if any of you forgot, she would remind us several times of during the women's battle royal. Yeah, we'll get to that. We're going to get to oh, all of that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, then to follow this was the Colonel Rumble, which featured numerous personalities dressed up as Colonel Sanders, including Ric Flair for this match slash commercial. They're already selling that shirt. Colonel Flair. So now we'll go down in history. Ric Flair's final match. Will this count? I, I I was just more so taken by the other shirt that they're now selling on WWE.com. But I guess we'll get there by the end of the night. <laughs> Seth Rollins and Jason Jordan uh, drew the short end of the straw, taking on Cesaro and Sheamus for the Raw tag titles. This crowd was in a state of just comatose for this match. There was nothing they reacted to. Uh, Jordan is... Run into the post. I just saw the WWE shops. <laughs> you haven't seen this yet? I, I didn't see it on shop. Oh, yeah. It's on WWE shop yeah. already tonight. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. They're they're going to make a ton. Yeah. So Jordan has run into the post on the floor and is pretty much taken out of this match. So this was our second handicap title match, basically. Because Seth exactly Rollins. exactly the same. As yeah. That. Seth just worked the whole match, getting beaten down. The bar went for a doomsday device, and Rollins avoided it with a hurricane rana. Crowd sitting on their hands. Rollins was able to come back, hit a double splash to Cesaro and Sheamus. He crawls over. Jordan's made his way up to the apron. Jordan tags in, but he's all dizzy. Just decides, I can't do it. Tags out, which was funny. And Rollins just has to continue this match. Unfortunately, no one cared. Rollins gets beaten down some more as he's all by himself, and it ends with a brogue kick and then a double white noise, and they pin Rollins. So Sheamus and Cesaro win back the tag titles in the least heated fashion. Um, and I just thought it was the crowd heat hurt this match. Sheamus being eliminated in record time in the Rumble just made the it just seem it's like your comedy yeah. character is now your tag champion. I just I wouldn't have put Sheamus in that role. So this this was very disappointing. I would have put Rowan and Harper in that role and had been like, you know, if not even Harper, if Rowan was the monster and did the elimination spot. And he's a big bearded guy that it would have worked just fine. We know those two aren't really going anywhere, especially with War Machine now popping up in NXT. So use them there as opposed to guys that you're about to put the belts on here. This was a terrible choice. 
Yeah, and I mean, we you could argue the fact that you were doing two rumbles. Some match had to go in this position, and this was the one that got sacrificed. But the it stakes was, just weren't high enough for the match to, to be of any interest. And it felt like the crowd almost wanted to give Rollins respect, and they were trying to get some chance going. But it just it felt like, for the most part, the crowd was just spent emotionally from the previous match. Of course. The only heat was on his pants. That was it. So you deal with this all the time, huh? Yeah. You mm-hmm. should see what I, I say off the show. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just unbearable. Uh, I thought at the time, like coming off, maybe you just follow with the go with something big with the three way. But that was another match that I think suffered from oh, it did. the post rumble uh, meltdown from this audience as they just had they just had to kind of sit on their hands for more of this. Um, Brock, Strowman and Kane. Strowman hits Lesnar. Flush in the head with this knee. Like drills him. So Lesnar comes back and is clearly pissed because they had to censor him. Calling Strowman God knows what. And they show this replay of Lesnar just rocking this dude with a right hand. And Strowman's head, uh, it ricocheted. Uh, with all due respect to Trevor Mann. This looked brutal. These two were having like a fight that should have been sanctioned ahead of time. And they replayed it. Oh, I mean, to WWE's credit, they replayed it two or three times, those two segments, noting that this clearly happened. I mean, if it's going to happen and you're going to try to get this over as a fight, you might as well play something a little bit real that happened in the middle of the match. The outline of this match was just resemble as much of a car crash as possible. Just kill each other. Lesnar, uh, after these right hands, goes for the F5 and he gets stopped with a choke slam from Kane. Lesnar brings in a chair because this is a three-way. There are no disqualifications, so he attacks Kane with the chair. Strowman just kills Lesnar with a clothesline, sends him to the floor. Uh, we got a series of Germans from from Lesnar delivered to Strowman, and then Strowman staggers up and power slams Lesnar through a table. Then they go to the floor. Oh, this was after the the table spot in the corner involving Kane and Strowman. This this was not pretty. Strowman basically put himself through this table. And Michael Cole tried to cover by stating, it was almost like Braun knew it was coming <laughs> as this guy, like, dove into this table preemptively. They and go- then just hung out in the fetal position. Yes. Did you notice that? He just kind of curl- curled up in the fetal position after he that. He may have had a concussion after Brock well, waffled true. him in the head with that's a punch. True. They go to the floor. Lesnar is... Uh, by the announcer's desk and tries to put Strowman through the desk with an F5. Then he he does so, and then he takes the next desk, tips it over on top of Strowman, which I believe it's Graves that just pronounced Braun is dead. <laughs> After all we've seen, it's a table that does yeah, this. Yeah, that's man the in. one. This that's... was the straw that broke the uh, camel's back. Kane grabs Lesnar, and he avoids a choke slam. He lifts up Kane. F5s him onto the Spanish desk, which, like, forgot its cue and then broke, like, several seconds later. Uh, Strowman emerged from underneath the rubble of the desk and hits a power slam to Lesnar inside of the ring, lifts him up for a second one. Kane returns from the dead with a chair shot, and then Lesnar just shoves Kane, knocking Strowman off the apron. Lesnar lifts up Kane, F5, onto a chair, and he pins Kane. Uh, the person I think everyone assumed would take the fall. It went 10 minutes and 58 seconds. When this match was announced, I had no interest of seeing this match. And I've got to say, this was above the level that I expected. Uh, crowd was not all that engaged, but it was, I think, kept people's interest because it was just big spot to big spot to big spot. And there was, there was really no chance to really, um, 
come down during this match. They just tried to go as fast as they could. That was a successful formula in the past as well. I can't remember what match it was. What was the match where it was just the same type of thing? Big spot to big spot. The announcer desk was tossed. SummerSlam. That, that, that four-way. That was very It was good. the four-way. Yes. And it was, in, it was just pure insanity for yeah. all the time. And I think that's what they were trying to emulate here with this match. And they did their best. Again, still in a tough spot. The audience at the Royal Rumble is conditioned to watch the Royal Rumble and go home. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were fighting here because there was a whole num- another Rumble to come. Yes. I-, I thought this was better, though, than that Lesnar-Strowman singles match, which yep. was very disappointing. So, I mean, I didn't know if it would be. In this case, I thought they did outperform that. So, then they aired the uh, the trailer for the upcoming Andre the Giant documentary that comes out on in April. And then we go into the Women's Rumble, and this was like just flipping a switch, because this crowd, they were totally ready to watch a second Rumble. Uh, were either of you feeling fatigue with a second Rumble coming up? Uh, I was not feeling fatigue. I was look- I was probably one of those people more looking forward to this, because I think when you're in the mood for surprises and nostalgia, that's kind of what you're- we're all here for, right? I really had a lot of fun with the pool, so I was just ready for the second Rumble. I was ready to bring it on. I could I could have done a few rumbles tonight. I think I, I sure. they're always. I mean, generally there's there's always a side story going on if you get together with your friends. I mean, I saw people tweeting about how holding money up because they've won their rumble pool and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it is a fun event, and I mean, just generally, even though we're watching two of these and it's the identical concept, there's different personalities, there's different nostalgia, and even if something goes bad in 90 seconds, you have something else to look forward to. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and I feel this was, we'll get into the specifics, but I thought they were different rumbles and you've got to continue this with the two rumbles. I think it's a staple and I think it worked. I don't think it's, it's overkill. Jojo explained everything you needed to know about the Royal Rumble and then handed things over to Maria Menounos to introduce Stephanie McMahon as our guest ring announcer. Oh, yeah. Poor Maria. She is not... Uh, remember when she inducted Bob Backlund? And she was just booed out of that arena. But came back for more. And she is like a fan. And she just like goes to the audience. I know. I get it. I get it. Oh, poor girl. <laughs> I uh, This made me realize how good JoJo is. Well... JoJo does her job just fine. Stephanie McMahon made me realize oh uh, how oh good my. Booker T is, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stephanie McMahon in one night... Has got my worst announcer of the year, 2018. Quickly, Way, what did you feel about Stephanie? Like, we'll get into some specifics in this match, but yeah, like well, th- I- this was this was a robot reciting facts, and she added nothing here. Well, I thought she was so heavy-handed with how robotic and how I think over the top brand ambassador, quote unquote, and that's what we was. we didn't get heel that- evil Stephanie. It was brand ambassador Stephanie. But I thought for sure she was setting up some heel turn by being so. Bland and generic and fake. She showed that this is not just a gig you can just decide overnight you're going to do. But what just, is she thinking? Because on Monday she came out and was a total heel. And now she expects to just flip that switch and expect the audience to take her as just a, a, a brand ambassador. That's what Stephanie. Triple H does when he walks into NXT. Yeah, one is earned. Yeah, with, with Hunter at least it's like you do get the separation of main roster Hunter with NXT Paul. Like, with Stephanie, it's like, we're watching the exact same show, the exact same character, and even throwing that aside, like, Stephanie was just, like, watching Samoa Joe last night, Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep harping on this, like, this guy was tremendous in that role, uh, that Stephanie, I'm sorry, but, like, that's kind of your expectation level, that... She was just terrible in this match. I I thought it really brought it down. the audience, I mean, the... 
perception is that she is basically coming in here to take all the credit for something that she didn't really have that much to do with. Uh, and I would hope that they, they'd be perceptive enough to realize that. And that's why I thought she was going to turn heel at the end of it all. But, uh, it, that never came. I, I just, I feel as though she, she walked in. She was robotic. She was also bland. And, and at times, if you're that, if you're walking into a commentary team and at least you express some excitement, but her excitement was even fake. There's a lot of, oh, look at who's on the top rope. And they're, uh, like, I, I heard that three or four times during this rumble and I was like, what are you doing? There's no moves being explained. You're not, you're not adding anything at all. Mm-hmm. Even the facts that were thrown out because, in these matches, like Cole is just a fact machine. He's a boom, fact, 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 stat, stat, stat. And Stephanie's adding absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. You, you can criticize Cole, but like for what that job entails, you could see here an example of the person that can do that role and someone who can't. Yeah. It's Stephanie. And it's like Cole can at least like he understands how to quarterback uh, a broadcast team and I think with Stephanie, too, it was probably a case of they decided it this week. Who's even sitting down with her to say, are you capable of doing this? Like, do you need to go over anything? Do you want a dry run? I mean, is anyone sitting down and asking Stephanie that? No, because you look at someone like Stephanie, and this this can be a flaw, because there's a difference in being able to cut a promo versus being a commentator. Huge. Like, someone like Arn Anderson never translated well. And, I mean, Stephanie just did not translate well. It's probably the first time she's really ever done this. And you're right. I bet no one sat down with her. They're just like, well, Stephanie can do anything. Stephanie's Superwoman. And... She, Not here. If she was a heel doing commentary, I think she might have been okay. But she had to play straight up babyface. She had to for the way that she's put herself into the storyline. Hmm. Alexa Bliss and Charlotte came out just to sit ringside for this, and they would they would come into the uh, the post match uh, involvement. Sasha Banks was out first, and Becky Lynch was second. And they began. Sasha Banks would get the the long. Well, both were in for quite a while yeah. in this rumble. Sarah Logan. The Viking was in the third, and this is when we got, like, a stat about each of these women, courtesy of Stephanie. Um, she would just have one random fact. It was like you were, uh, it was like she was the Amazon Echo. It's like, Alexa, tell me about Sarah Logan. And then Stephanie would just recite a line for us. Mandy Rose was fourth. Did you know that Mandy can squat 300 pounds? <laughs> yeah. Nope. But it is no- noted. She just, she was my like one line for all these people that yeah. came out. At this point, like, I was getting concerned about this rumble. Oh, I was as well. Because if well. you were going to be treated to a number of these Sarah Logans and Mandy Roses who are very, relatively new into the business, um, don't have that much history, not that much value in terms of nostalgia. I, I, I thought there was no way this Rumble could have competed with the previous. Well, it was one of the things that everyone got wrapped up in the, the numbers. Like, oh, you have this many women on the main roster. It's like, okay, well, let's, let's weed that down to how many over women yes. are on the main roster rather than just bodies that are going to fill spots here. Like, this could be a very long match if yep. it's just contingent on the main roster. And I think they were smart to include a lot of people from the past. They had to. Oh, yeah. With different results in the ring. But yeah, yeah, I understand yeah, yeah. the but, thinking of relying on names to keep that interest going. Yeah, and I mean, there was there was good and bad with the nostalgia, and, and we'll talk about that. Wrestling and, there and was, sweaters. There was, there was fun for on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, 
a strong start with Banks and Lynch starting was uh, very smart on their part. It's two women that are generally over um, and are on different brands right now. So seeing them touch was also a slight novelty. Uh, so and and they're both good workers. And we really what this rumble showed off is you talk uh, blah 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 evolution blah blah blah. But you can see in particular with some people that we saw tonight in that ring how much different women's professional wrestling is in the WWE in 2017-2018. Oh, yes. We got to quite the scope. The fifth entrant and the first surprise was Lita. So, I've got to say, there were a number of the women in this Rumble who, they went out of their way to just work people this week. Lita being one of them, complaining about not getting an invite to Raw 25. Yeah. Um there was another one later. I'll, I'll share that story when we get to her. But Lita uh, knocked Mandy Rose out as the first uh, elimination. And yeah, she came out also with a bunch of uh, women's wrestlers' names who weren't, um, I guess, uh, alive anymore, uh, written on her arm. People like Luna, China, I believe Mula, and uh, Mae Young as well. Sixth was Kyrie Sane who came out. And, oh yeah, we'll get to her elimination. She hit a forearm off the top to Logan and then... Uh, just attacked everyone, uh, going to the top and hit her elbow drop to Sasha Banks and then delivered one to Becky Lynch right as the countdown clock was going. Seventh was Tamina, who was out all in, in white as she, uh, entered here. She looked awful. Well, if you're going to talk about Tamina's attire, then I don't know what was going on with Leader's attire either because it was a very strange choice in regards to what she wore to the ring. Mm. It yeah. wasn't, it wasn't, uh, she, she I mean, it, it, she was wearing something that said, um, time's up, uh, the hashtag. Yeah, no, that's up. fine. I don't mean that. I just mean like, the, it didn't look good. It, you know, it was the equivalent to Seth Rollins' pants for right. the women, essentially. Lita hit a twist of fate to Sasha and to Becky Lynch. She almost no problem. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Then she lined them up together and climbed to the top. And I sat back and was very worried about this. And then she went and nearly landed on her head here. Mm -hmm. And first of all, doing the moonsault to two people at once. I don't know the last time Lita did a moonsault. This was this was. I think the scariest thing in this rumble. Yeah. Yeah. I was, was very concerned here. Very risky. Uh, Lita then eliminated Tamina, and then Becky Lynch got to eliminate Lita. So I think she was in there for the perfect amount of time. Sure. And she was a great choice to be that early in the rumble to really get the nostalgia going simply because I, we haven't seen Lita in the ring since she's retired. Like, Trisha's come back a couple times. But we just have not seen Lita. She's just no. been a part of the commentary team. To the point that I just thought there was a reason for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like they, the neck or something like putting that, her right? In. So yeah. anyway, was in this match. And it was good that they had someone that they didn't focus on on Monday. Uh, because we did have some crossover from people on Monday appearing here. Dana Brooke was out eighth. She took Kyrie Singh. <laughs> she sat her on the top turnbuckle. None of us were really paying attention. But then Kyrie was shoved. And she fell down, and then you thought she's just going to grab the top rope. She did not grab the top rope, and she was eliminated via Dana Brooke and a shove. Uh, you know, I think she analyzed her work in the ring and had the right stats. <laughs> she was up all night long working out an algorithm for yep. Kyrie Sane, hoping she would be in this match unannounced, and she got the elimination. I was very perplexed by that one. Ninth was Tori Wilson. The, the return that I don't think anyone was anticipating nor demanding, but Tori Wilson returned. 
uh, dropkick Dana off the apron and eliminated her. Sorry, John. I think you also have to recap what Tori Wilson is now. She is a fitness blogger. She's a, a she's an online fitness blogger. Yep, they explained. They explained. Uh, it, and was there something else that she's also doing? Oh, I don't know. Anyway. I just found it very funny. Uh, Sonia Deville was in tenth and just attacked everyone with knees from the clinch. And then she tried to lift up Tori, and this was a huge struggle as she finally got Tori out. Yeah, the Tori, I think one of those names that Tori, by her own admission, was not a great wrestler. It, it's it was great to see Tori come out on stage and wave to the crowd. Yep, I didn't need to see Tori Wilson in a ring nope. and uh, in a main event slot of a mm-hmm. very important match. You're taking a very big chance putting somebody like her or Kelly Kelly back in. Yeah, here. Tori was the second worst performer in this match. Number one though, well, they could have oh. really embarrassed like the, the whole company. Yeah, Liv- Kelly Kelly got close to embarrassing the whole company. Liv Morgan was eleventh. Number twelve was Molly Holly. Molly's story from this past week was she went on, she did an interview or something this week and she said how, I think it was one of her kids or I, I can't remember. Some, someone told her that she read, they read on the internet, Molly's going to be in the Royal Rumble. And Molly's explaining this saying, well, I'm not aware of this. So she called up WWE and said, are you putting me in the Royal Rumble? Because it's on the internet. And they assured me, no, I'm not in the Rumble. So I want to, I want to kill that rumor, everybody. Awesome. I will not be in the Royal Rumble. Like that takes a lot of effort. That's like going to an airport and filming an interview and then sending photos from Colombia when you're not mm, there. Yeah, so the the women are really they're learning from Hogan, maybe just the the new generation of workers well, shouldn't learn things from Hogan. The company is learning to use social media to their advantage. Yeah. Molly eliminated Sarah Logan and then hit the Molly go round to Sasha Banks, which we didn't get the origin story of this because back in 2002, Molly Holly uh, was considered fat and she had a fat ass. So her finish was coming off the top and hitting her opponent with her ass. That was that's not was part that of- was that how the move began? That's that was how was that the character they sold though? the move. Yeah, was oh. that she had a fat ass? I mean, I think it's a cool move. Well. Surprised you didn't get a confrontation there with Michelle McCool and Piggy James as well. They uh, There was a lot of uh, past storylines that were not referenced with Vicky, no. with yep. Mickey James, with Molly. How's Tori Wilson's dad? Natalia's farting was not addressed. I mean, <laughs> what a what an awful list that we could just that go on very, and on. That was very recent, though. That was that only was like a couple years, years ago. <laughs> God. 13th was Lana. As the crowd just all chants Rusev Day. Yes. And Lana was just all smiles. I thought Lana for sure would be the worst wrestler in this match. And she was not even... Eh, maybe she was bottom three. She was definitely not even bottom two, though. No, she was not. I guess all these women, like, if they did this match, they qualify for this year's voting at the end of the year, right? For worst uh, female performer? Oh, maybe. But, maybe. Do we yeah, have a, I would say so. Is there a certain threshold you must uh, achieve I'm in the sure. ring? But I would say Lana actually was used to great... Uh, great advantage in this match coming off of the Rusev Day chance. Yeah, she did like a fire up spot as yeah. they were attacking her. Total baby fist. 14th was Michelle McCool, Lady Taker, considering what happened in this Royal Rumble. Mm. She comes in and everyone's chanting Undertaker. She eliminates DeVille. She eliminates Liv Morgan. She eliminates Molly Holly. She eliminates Lana. It's like, is this woman coming back? Like, this was, this to me is like too much that you're giving to somebody that. Is probably not sticking around. Who got more, her or Nia? I think McCool probably, because she got more eliminations than just these four, I think. So she may have had the most of anyone. 
Impressive. Well, I mean, to her credit, like she's she looks she looks to be in great great shape of sure. a lot of returns. But you know? no, to John's point though. But I mean, why why Michelle? Why McCool, Michelle right? McCool? Yes. Lady Taker. Like that's like she's got the Undertaker symbol on her back. Like <laughs> that we didn't get Taker tonight, we just got his wife. Fifteenth mm. was Ruby Riotata. Sixteenth, Eddie uh, Eddie. Vicky Guerrero, who came <laughs> out <laughs> and is yelling, excuse me. Plays went nuts. I thought Vicky was a great person mm-hmm. to have in here. Yeah. Didn't need to do any wrestling. Just uh, just browbeat the women that were in there. And then they grabbed Vicky, dumped her over the top very safely to the floor, and she was out. Thought, Perfect cameo. I thought she was great. Yeah. yeah. I thought really, really well done. Carmella was 17th, and Vicky attacked Carmella on the floor with her own briefcase and left her laying. Natalia was out 18th. Uh, this featured Carmella and Becky having the... Most difficult struggle to hit a Bexploder that I've ever seen. Honestly, I mean, geez. Wouldn't expect these two to have I, the problems. I kind of put Carmella towards that bottom of, of, of worst performers in this match. Her character work was excellent. She's great, but I mean, a sequence like this yeah, it was bad. really bad. It doesn't really bode well for her upcoming title run if they decide to, to go with it. Mm-hmm. 19th. Oh, boy. Holla, holla. It's Kelly Kelly, who... Made history in her own right, becoming the first entrant in a Royal Rumble to try and work the match with a sweater. Yeah. She had like this, this sweater vest on. This hmm. deal. That, no, it wasn't a sweater vest. It what was, was this? That's not a sweater. Like what, she, cause it's didn't have the vest, but it was just like almost, it was just a little tiny, uh, I don't know. There's, is there someone listening in this fashion? But it wasn't a sweater vest. I know I'm that I'm for sure. It's like a little jacket, a little short jacket she was wearing over top of a very kind of sweater slinky bikini jacket. top. It was, it was, that was not the worst part of her performance tonight, hey, listen, though. She looked great, I thought. I don't know. Whatever. No? If you, I mean, I've never been a fan. Okay. So. Um, Kelly was, I just wrote this was not good. She <laughs> goes for this tilt twirl to Michelle McCool oh. and, it was not a tilt a whirl, and McCool got eliminated. And this was just, this was like watching someone get a pair of ice skates and get onto the ice for the first time ever, and just have to learn. Or the first time in like ten years, you know. And no, then, you know what way? Because I just went on the ice for the first time in ten oh, years last week, okay. and I was completely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because this was this was a this was horrible. I mean, and I think that's what really came about when you watch Tori Wilson. Kelly Kelly and Michelle McCool in conjunction with those two. This is what I was talking about earlier in regards to how much more is expected of the female performers in WWE now after watching this take place. Cause this was off. But it's funny because like those three are kind of condensed to that era. But you had people who were in the company earlier than these, these, these few and Lita and Trish and Molly who looked a lot better than a lot of definitely, girls. yeah. I mean, but yeah. I mean, they were kind of like Trish and I mean, Trish and Lita. They have that raw, blah blah blah, the main event. And Molly came at it from uh, you know a different angle. I mean, part of this is Kelly Kelly and Tori for sure came at this from. That's when they were just recruiting models, they were right? Models, yes, that's exactly. it. Mm-hmm. Number twenty was Naomi and Ruby sent Becky over the top. She's holding on and then gets knocked off. So Becky went thirty-one minutes in the match. Twenty-one was Jacqueline. 22 was Nia Jax, and the audience was certainly into her. She came in, eliminated Jacqueline and Kelly Kelly, gone. 
Jackson press-slammed Ruby onto the top turnbuckle, shoved her to the floor, then knocked Naomi off the apron, but all the women caught Naomi and placed her on the barricade, and she would end up returning by getting onto Maria's uh, chair and then swiveling over to the steps and getting back in. So the big athletic near-elimination spot went to Naomi uh, this year, more so than Kofi. It was great. It was perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, She came back in 23 was Ember Moon coming out with her arm wrapped up, selling the effects of the match with Shayna Baszler from the night before. Naomi uh, gets back in here and goes for this high cross, is caught by Nia, who just walks over and then dumps Naomi out after this big return to the ring. I thought that was great, too. Yeah. I really liked it. I, I was I was rooting for that to happen, and I thought it was perfect. And it really just helped to get Nia over. And I thought this was... I mean, this is me saying this. I thought this was a very good showing for Nia in this Royal Rumble. She got over very well in this match. Uh, so Ember's in. 24 was Beth Phoenix, who came out. She had to stare down with Nia. Crowd loved this. Great. And... Beth was, to me, like, seamless transition. Looked in great shape yep. and worked tremendously well here. Uh, Phoenix tried uh, continually trying to lift Jax. Couldn't do it. Natalia returned to the ring. Double-team Nia. The two hug together. And then Natalia grabs Beth and eliminates her. I thought great use of Beth Phoenix. Perfect. I, I would have been happy if she had just taken over for Stephanie at this point and called the rest of the match. <laughs> the person that we are actually using as a female... Uh, broadcaster on the Mixed Match Challenge. I mean, some of these, like, she looked great, Trish looked great, to to the point where I wonder if they would be in talks to do something more in the future. Uh, Possibly. Um, Asuka was 25th. Big reaction for her coming out. Her and Ember Moon, with their history, had a showdown. Moon got placed on the edge of the apron, and Asuka just snapped the injured arm, eliminating Moon, who uh, went higher in the air than Kofi did coming back in. She just, like, tried to hit the ceiling before she... Bumped out to the floor. Yeah, the elimination wasn't ideal here. The first, because she's so tiny, she's Ember Moon is, is so short that it was hard for her to get over the rope. So that first, because you could physically see her jump, that was unfortunate. That the was, second part that of was the elimination was a problem with a lot of the women. Yeah, it was tough. Just so simply of the, because yeah. of the height of the ropes. Yeah, yeah it, it was tough. But I love this. I love the stare down between Naya and and Ember and the interaction here. I thought this was a great ode to what they did in NXT, and I thought. I'm not a big Ember fan, but I thought this was a great showing for her. Ember and Asuka. Sorry, Ember and Asuka. Yeah, that's what I meant. Mickey James came out number 26. Number 27 was definitely Nikki Bella, uh, who came I out. I thought for sure. Man, you were on to this. I thought for sure that this was Brie. You and were, that, you were so positive. Yeah. By the end of it, I, I guarantee you if they had done that, it would have been a way better spot. Yeah, you told us all off. <laughs> You really I did. thought for sure. I You're like, hey, listen. you actually said, hey, dude, I watched Total Divas. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. Thought, <laughs> listen, here's, here's this is what I was thinking. I thought it was so brilliant. Nikki comes out, but it's actually Brie dressed as Nikki Bella. And then Nikki gets eliminated. And then Nick, the real Nikki comes out and says, hey, I didn't get eliminated. That was Brie. How brilliant would that be? Well... You were so adamant that you were you were making me question myself because I was so sure this was Nikki, but I'm not one to doubt someone that watches Total Divas every week. But number 28 was the returning Brie Bella. Mm-hmm. As Stephanie alerted us, she's coming out of retirement. It's like, oh, shit. Thanks, she's, Steph. 
She's out of retirement. She, Stephanie was very much also Captain Obvious in, in this whole uh, this whole play-by-play she was trying to do. Yeah. She noted uh, how beneficial it is to draw one of these late numbers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 29 was Bailey, who I think all of us had forgotten about. Number 30 was Trish Stratus, who came out. Big reaction here. They were chanting Ronda Rousey during they the were. countdown. Yeah. But as soon as Trish's music hit, they were all satisfied with number 30. She came in and the whole crowd was buzzing because here you have Trish about to interact with all these different women that she's pretty much never had a history with, with the exception of Mickey. Which was also awesome when they yes. had them stare down each yeah. other. And you remember that WrestleMania match? They had that stole the show. Trish even made the motion to her mouth because yeah. they did that amazing yeah. spot that they've cut out on the DVD version and probably on the network as well with these two. These That was one of my favorite uh, matches. Uh, definitely my favorite match at that mania. I thought they stole the show. And this was a great little throwback to that. The whole place went nuts. They all recognized yep. the, the history and it was a great little uh, spot in the rumble. Um, so Mickey got eliminated actually by Trish kicking her off the turnbuckle to the floor. Then everyone ganged up on Jax, but she fought them all off. They came back. All of them tossed Nia off the top and people booed Nia's elimination. They were like really behind her. Sasha then took Bailey and just eliminated her. And this is when you really got to see the focus on Sasha and she comes out of this match as a heel. I think you fully saw that turn in this match for her. And kind of interesting to see her and Finn Balor, who are partners on the Mixed Match Challenge, both get the the lengthy runs in the Rumble. And I think this was so necessary for Sasha, who is just treading water on Raw. And with a heel turn, to me, it really revitalizes her. Yeah, I think that this is a great showing and, and brought new life to, to what she's doing, for sure. I don't know if I sensed heel turn. No? Not, not that strongly. I mean, she was like talking shit to... That's just her being competitive. To Asuka and That's then eliminating Bailey like that. I feel this was much more um, direct that they're turning Sasha. I feel like you'd probably have something a bit more concrete if it was a legitimate heel turn, but we'll see on Monday. Uh, Natalia started working with Trish and she applied the sharpshooter. Man. But no one reacted to this. It wasn't a big spot. No one gave. I was shocked because you. I don't know who it was who. Called one of us it suggested it, and yeah. just yeah, I like I would have thought, easy pop on Trish, but not any. No, no, no real reaction to it. Uh, Stratus went for the Stratisfaction to Sasha, but she gets stopped and gets tossed to the floor mid move, and uh, and that was the end of, of Trish, who was in this. I think for the perfect amount of time, and I thought Trish looked great in this match. Yep. I thought, I thought she did awesome. Uh, she, I mean... Like, her and Beth, to me, were the two best ones she, from the past that they brought she's in. She's somebody I, I would love to see another run with. I mean, yeah, she came back for a WrestleMania, but I think you... She, her with some of these uh, four horsewomen, I think, is a dream match that you can really sell. So it comes down to Asuka, Sasha Banks, and the Bella Twins. Uh, Sasha set up Asuka for the double knees, but the Bellas stopped her as she was coming down off the turnbuckle and dumped Sasha to the floor after 55 minutes in the ring. Asuka then levels the Bellas with various kicks to the head. Brie is on the apron, and then Nikki turns around and she eliminates her sister, and Brie is sent to the floor. Asuka then takes Nikki over the top rope by her neck using the legs, and they're both on the edge of the apron. Asuka attacks Nikki, knocking her off the apron, and Asuka wins in 58 minutes, 59 seconds, and uh, a big reaction for her as well. And immediately, Charlotte and Alexa enter the ring, and before we get into everything they do in the post-match, 
How did you feel this uh, lived up to expectations and also having to follow a rumble, which was, as we all said, a very good rumble with the men's version? Having to follow a rumble and on top of that, having the Rousey chant happen at number 29, but it not coming to fruition till later, but them still being able to play out this rumble and the crowd being genuinely happy watching Asuka win at the end. I thought this was a, I mean, aside from your hiccups, which provided unintentional comedy spots with your Kelly Kelly and Michelle McCool and Tori Wilson. Um, generally, great sense of nostalgia and great performance by all of the women here and a complete success. Yeah, I thought the biggest thing was if this had bombed, this would have really been difficult because you want to continue this. And to me, they really... I thought they did a great job with this rumble. I think this is a viable thing you can do every year now with two rumbles. It was different from the men's version, and I, I thought there was a lot of good in this rumble. I thought the booking was really strong. Uh, certainly there were some weak parts in the middle, and I think if there's something that they should learn from this rumble, it's that you need to fill the division with very strong competitors in ring, people who can go, people who, can, who are athletic. I mean, they kind of had... To, they were a little handicapped with having to do a lot of nostalgia by bringing a lot of people who obviously haven't wrestled over the past several years back in to do it. And with some of them, they lucked out. But um, I think if they attempt this again, they need to fill that roster over the next year with really capable, athletic women. Yeah, I think this is the year where they would have had to have been most heavily reliant on it. Whereas by next year, when you see all the women they have under contract, and I think you can... You can just put a few of those nostalgia acts in and, and you can just move on from there. That this was the big one that you could load it with a lot of names from the past. So afterwards, Charlotte and Alexa are in the ring. They hold their titles up in the air and Oscar's in the middle. And then we hear bad reputation play and Ronda Rousey comes out with one of Roddy Piper's old leather jackets and her brand new WWE t-shirt that reads, Hot Ronda in the same style of the Hot Rod t-shirt. Amazing. What a great idea. I'm pretty angry about this, guys. I'm not going to lie. This was, a, this was a Jason Agnew creation. 2014. And had this yanked off of pro wrestling tees. Yeah. Some, I guess, Ronda's camp complained. We had to take it down. But, yeah, I designed <laughs> this in 2014. And we sold it. We gave it away as a prize on that show we used to do. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Well, wait, okay. it's it's your legacy that you've passed on to yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the WWE's biggest signings. Yes, she needs more money. <laughs> so, Rhonda comes out. She extends her hand to Asuka, who just knocks it away. Rousey points to the WrestleMania sign and leaves. And she walks over to Stephanie McMahon, who is still ringside at the announcer's desk. And she shakes Stephanie's hand. Stephanie is very reluctant. And then... Rhonda is all smiles as she leaves, and Michael Cole announces that there is huge news on social media, and that news is that Ronda Rousey has signed a full-time contract with the WWE, in which she states that this is her number one priority moving forward. It's not a publicity stunt, and gives the indication that she is not coming in to just do WrestleMania, that she is in full-time, and... I think that this is going to get a ton of attention coming out of this and leaving you with a bunch of directions of where they can go for WrestleMania. I don't think this show needed this end part. Um, I, I think mean, I think to the people that were just watching this show uh, probably didn't. Like, it was a satisfying ending. 
But this is going to get so much attention. Oh, yeah, tons. I, I think they got lucky with this crowd because they could have reacted a lot more negatively. And to then, Ronda? No, to Ronda not being in the Correct. Line. Yeah, you're right. And that you're means right. when R- Ronda came out, they would have been a lot more satisfied. Yeah. I'm also curious to, to know, like, when exactly the deal was signed. Because clearly, like, they had the Rumble written and they wanted to give that spot to Asuka um, rather than Ronda Rousey. And I think that was a good choice to give the role. I'm glad she didn't do a match here or do anything physical. Like, I think that should be the first time you get to see that is WrestleMania. So I had no problem with her not being in the rumble. Well, what, what, what match do you think she has at WrestleMania? I'm, I'm, I, I, I prefer Charlotte. Charlotte, I, I feel like Stephanie is probably the leading contender. Looks, look like Stephanie with that handshake. I don't understand. I really don't understand what this was. Yeah. I was very confused at the end of it. The Rumble's over. You're celebrating Asuka winning. Asuka has to make a choice. Mm -hmm. Asuka doesn't make a choice because music hits. And we all know in wrestling, if music hits, everyone's attention turns. Then Ronda comes out and points at the WrestleMania sign. What does that mean? I don't understand what this means. It means, I don't, she, it means she's going to WrestleMania, sure. but it also gives you the, the indication that she she's looking to grab one of the belts. But then the handshake with Steph kind of kind of adds. Why was she shaking thing. Oscar's hand? Why did she go to shake Oscar's hand? Uh, to say, "Hey, I'm here." But I don't. I don't. I don't know. This is very like there's nothing yeah. clear here, and it also it, it's nothing clear, and it's it's nothing that makes me say. I got to tune into Raw tomorrow to find out. I guess I had to go to social media to find out that she signed. But I am not excited about what's happening here. I I think, though, I I think there is some of that. I I think you leave this like you had the men's version where you know the match they're going with. And I think this was designed that you do want to see where this progresses. And you've laid out a couple of options here that I feel there will be that curiosity. Like, I expect the Raw number to do very well tomorrow night, and I think Ronda has to be on the show tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm waiting for the Raw-nda t-shirt oh, as well. boy. <laughs> yeah. Your line, sorry? No, that was, that was a great okay. one. All right. Ronda being in wrestling is really interesting. It's, it's weird that we're even talking about this, like, as a concrete fact now. Uh, I think a lot remains to be seen of how she looks in the ring, how well she can cut a promo. I don't think she can. I don't think she can. I don't, I don't. Otherwise, she probably would have said something on Sunday. But maybe not. Who knows? She has been acting. She she has acting classes. We know that. That so. doesn't necessarily mean anything. Had a couple people. So a couple things that I've noticed. I posted up on social media talking about the shirt. I'm just going to use generically social media now because that's what WWE uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like, I hated her theme. I hated her theme. What? Yeah. No, there was three people that posted on my wall that they didn't know what the theme was Jeez, and wow. didn't realize that it was a theme song because it's Bad Reputation by Joan Jett, right? Yes. So, but that's something that the nice thing about Rhonda was she was one of the MMA fighters who didn't change her theme. And I think that that's very important for an MMA fighter because it brands them. Yes. So I thought it was a smart decision by WWE to buy that music and buy the rights to it and use it. Completely. And yet people are complaining here. Um, there are people who probably never seen her fight. I guess. My assumption. Don't really know that. Yeah. And then the second thing is, I think that you're, I do not think that she can cut a promo. I've never seen her. I mean, John, you've, you movies, she's not that good. She's awful. As an actress, no. She's not that good as an actress, but on but, top of that, she's not good at press conferences and top speaking either. But as an interview post fight, I think, she, no, her interviews are awesome. Her press conferences are awesome. She's great. Like in those scrums, she's awesome. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, is that going to transfer? Yeah. Is that going to transfer? Is this going to be Tito Ortiz? Again, acting is different, but maybe she could be coached, you know, because on her own, just just in front of a, a, a press a setting, I think she's great. Yeah, it'll be interesting how they package Rhonda and if she is, like, if she's put out there, like everybody else doing WWE promos. That'll be uh, That'll be death. Yeah. Give her to Paul. Now, what does this also mean for Shayna Baszler? I don't think there's going to be any connection going into Mania. I think that Shayna's on NXT mm-hmm. and, and Ronda's on the main roster with her Mania program, which if it ends up being Charlotte, I think you'll just see. I, I don't think you're going to see any involvement with, with Shayna. Not for a while. Do that down the line. Yeah. It can be an alignment and then turning on her, help her win and then turn on her, but down the line. Mm-hmm. Like, you got so many steps to do here. Mm-hmm. I think that the speaking is going to be a problem. How much do you feel like they're really pushing this, that this is not just going to be so, some one off with her? Like, I think we can all agree, Rhonda being a weekly character. Bad. I think you're going to, you're going to diminish the, the yeah. uniqueness that she brings. And the fact that this is a woman that's, Never had a match on television before as well. She's going to be learning on on the spot. Like, this is someone that should be used selectively. Like, she should be the female Brock. No doubt she is the closest thing you will ever have to a female Brock Lesnar. And she needs to be protected as such. Give her Paul Heyman for, for all, all, you know, for, for everything. But um, she also needs experience, you know. Like, you can argue that she should be on house shows because she needs that experience. She does. Absolutely. And that can be someone, I mean, you could do select house shows with her and it's, that's a, a legitimate house show draw that I feel you'll yeah. get for that first round is, of she matches. Is, she is like a supreme athlete and she can do, she could throw, she could do judo, she could sure. do arm bars. These are all things that already kind of set her above uh, a lot of people just stepping into professional wrestling from another sport or completely cold. So I'd have no doubt she could, they, a lot of people could have a great match around her. Uh, it's, it's, I think everything else surrounding the match, the cutting the promo, the acting and the backstage skits that maybe has me a little concerned. So that was the Royal Rumble. Uh, I've got to say a thumbs up show. I think that this was, um, you know, it, it was all based on the Rumble matches, but I think both Rumble matches were really strong. So strong booking. Uh, like I loved the winners of both Rumbles and delivering the Ronda surprise at the end, I think, uh, was, these are all positive things coming out of it. Yeah, it was it was good. It was the best Rumble in years. Yeah, I think for a number of years they've kind of just taken for granted the Rumble is an easy match to throw people. This yeah. one felt like they spent a lot of time uh, carefully booking these these Rumble matches, and I, I thought both delivered. Are they going to change the name of the show to the Royal Rumbles now? Oh yeah, they might have to Rumble Royals. Rumble Royals. Terry Lawler called it. Is that what, what you call <laughs> them? called it? The Rumble Royal. Well, that's great. Times, yeah. Good stuff. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us, folks. Uh, myself and Way, we will be back on Monday night after uh, WWE Ronda uh, chatting about whatever they do on Monday night. Maybe and if, she's a SmackDown star. Oh, is she a free agent now? Is she uh, Is she going to be uh, brand specific? Yeah, I imagine they'll play around with that. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up, folks. Uh, you can go to postwrestling.com. We are also going to have a bonus show up for our patrons on Monday, going through the new beginning cards uh, that New Japan put on this weekend, including a very big angle involving the Bullet Club. That's right. Yes. Uh, also, uh, your takeover review with uh, bartender Dave and Braden Harrington. Is that is up as well from Saturday night. Uh, Jay, you, you have seen takeover. Uh, yeah. 
strong show in your opinion? It was great. Great main event. Uh, and I liked, again, being in Philly, they threw the hardcore match in as well to keep the fans, I was going to say to keep the fans happy, but I mean, they would have been happy anyway, just with the work rate, but a bit of a throwback to the past. The Heyman opening was very cool as well. Uh, women's match was good. Um, yeah, just again, once again, takeover delivering and the excitement of what's to come for NXT is bananas with all these people showing up in the crowd. Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, one of, one of the weekends too, where I think like this was a much closer proximity to me of the takeover and the rumble shows yep. together. Mm-hmm. I think for different reasons, I think rumble more so based on the booking, mm-hmm. uh, but still, uh, both very str- uh, good shows this weekend. That's going to wrap it up folks. And we will chat with you on Monday night.